So a couple weeks ago, I had a Saturday that just rocked. You ever had a Saturday like this? Like you wake up kind of early, not like crazy early because it's Saturday, you know, but you got your list of things to do. Normally when I make a list of things to do, like I way overestimate or underestimate the amount of time it's going to take me to actually get them done. But I was just crushing the list, man. I was feeling so good about myself because there was like, you know, winterizing that needed to happen, some fall cleanup that needed to happen. Uh, I had my sermon done. I got that thing printed off. I got my slides sent in. It was all practiced up. I even split some wood that afternoon, got it stacked up for the winter time. I was feeling so good about all of the things that I was accomplishing. You know what happened? I woke up the next day and I had a crap ton more to do. Because that's how life works, isn't it? Like, it's amazing how you think you've accomplished so much, and then you wake up the next day, and there's still a whole ton of stuff that needs to get finished, needs to be completed, needs to be figured out. That's just how life goes. But, friends, what if, for the low, low price of $99 a month, I could give you an extra 10 hours on your day of choice. How great would that be, right? I could have an extra 10 hours on my Saturday. Do you know how much more I could get done? That book I've always intended to read. I could start reading that book. I could catch up on that podcast. I could actually get the leaves out of my gutter. I could do the things that I wasn't able to get done even on my most efficient day. And you know what would happen? I'd still wake up the next day with a crap ton of stuff that needs to get done, right? Crap ton. That's probably not a word I should be using from the stage. Sorry, all of you younger ears, but it's true. Man, there's just so much that needs to be accomplished, isn't there? And so it never ends. It's always something more. Did you know that the most common cause of injury in old men is them believing that they're still young men? (laughs) this thing has got to be photoshopped. There's no way homeboys, that's got to be like 400 pounds. Uh, We are a culture that wants to defy limitations, not accept them. We live in a culture that wants to defy our limitations, not accept them. We want to figure out a way to overcome them, to get beyond them. People come up to you, right? And they say, yo, have you seen the new show? You haven't? Oh, my goodness. You've got to check it out. And you're two seasons behind. Oh, oh, oh. And, and you did start reading that book, right? Like all the new books you were reading. But don't forget the classics, dude. No, no, you need the new, but you also need the class. Did you listen to that podcast? It's 150 episodes, but it's so good. You've got to get into it. Oh, my goodness. And have you been to the National Park? That one? Like, it's so beautiful. It's amazing. you got to go there. And if you go there, like, you need to definitely hit that other national park and make sure you hit that other national park. And oh, my goodness, please tell me that you've been to the national park in that country and that country and that country. And uh, oh, ha- have you actually been to that city? You've not been to that city yet? Are you kidding me? you got to go to that city. And when you go there, make sure you go to that restaurant. But when you go to that restaurant, don't just go to that one because there's this other one. you got to hit that one up. So authentic. It's amazing. And then when you come back, then you need to do this. And then there's that other experience. You need to go, oh, you haven't been to that stadium yet? You need to go to that, like, Hashtag FOMO, hashtag YOLO, hashtag please make it stop, hashtag it won't. It's not going to stop. Why? 
Because that's the culture that we live in. It's a culture that continues to tell us it's something new, it's something more. The pace always has to be picked up. And it can often make us feeling or leave us feeling depressed, anxious, overwhelmed. So what I'd like to do this morning is we're going to look at kind of two chunks of Scripture, small chunks. The first is going to be in the book of Genesis, the very first book in your Bible. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to open up there. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at a verse in Genesis 1 and a verse in Genesis 2. And the purpose of that is to help us calibrate, or shall I say recalibrate, what it means to live our lives and live them well. A little bit of our recalibrating our expectations. Uh, And then from there, we're going to, after we've recalibrated head into another chunk in the New Testament we'll talk about in just a minute. So, Genesis chapter 1. Please read verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this passage, pretty famous passage for anybody that grew up in the church. This is probably not the first time you've heard this. Just simply the concept that God created humanity, both male and female, in his image. All right? This is a big deal. Okay? Uh, What it means to be made in the image of God is it means that we are bursting with potential. To be made in the image of God means that we are bursting with potential. So many, nothing else in creation was made in the image of God, only humanity. To be made in the image of God means that we represent God to the rest of the world. It means that we actually uh, uh, kind of get to speak on behalf of God and partner with God in taking the world someplace. It means that we're supposed to rule and reign in the world alongside of God. There's a lot of things that God has given to us as humans that no other creation has. And, therefore, it means that we are bursting with potential. Flip over to chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Genesis 1.27 reminds us that we're made in the image of God and that we are bursting with potential. Genesis 2.7 reminds us that we are made from dirt. And to be made from dust means that we are limited. We are like God, but we are not God. We are mortal, not immortal. We are finite, not infinite. We're both image and dust. We are potential and limitations. We are eternal and compostable. (laughs) We are not a people that likes to talk about our limitations. We always instead talk about how can we reach our potential, right? Which is not a bad thing. You've probably heard so many podcasts, been to so many conferences, talked to so many teachers. We got you can reach your potential, and if you just do X, Y, and Z, you're gonna get there. And like that's like we should we should go after everything that we can be with God. But you remember, uh, at some point in your life, your grandmother, she grabbed you by your cheeks so lovingly, and she looked into your eyes, and she said to you, "Baby." You can do whatever you want if you just put your mind to it. You can be whoever you want to be. And your grandmother was lying to you. (laughs) 
It's a flat-out lie. No, you can't, honey. Sorry. All right? This dude wanted to be an NBA basketball player. Didn't matter how much I practiced. I used to stick out my tongue all the time like Jordan. Let's talk about some of our limitations, shall we? There's all kinds of different ways that we're limited. And to understand what it means to live the life that Christ has called us to, the full life that he invites us into, we have to not just embrace how we are bursting with potential. We also have to embrace our limitations. Uh, Our bodies limit us. (laughs) I told you I want to play in the NBA. This body was not built for the NBA. Didn't matter what I did. Wasn't happening. Okay? Each of us have a body. And they're wonderful. We can do so much with the bodies that we've been given. But we can't do anything that we want. Uh, Our bodies are fixed in time and space. I cannot be two places at one time. Regardless of what Luke Skywalker tries to tell me. It's not going to happen. Some of you are like, I get that. The rest of you are like, what? It's okay. It's all right. I'm working with the nerds today. Our minds also are limited. We're not all born with the same IQ. Some of ours are higher and some of ours are lower. We have limitations. Uh, Did you know that Aliyah Sabur started reading at eight months old? (laughs) That is is the appropriate (laughs) response. What? Yeah. Eight months old, she started reading. Uh, She graduated college from Stony Brook, which is an elite university, at the age of 10. We are, we are not all born with the same IQ. You want to know the truth? She's not even the youngest to ever graduate college. She's the second youngest. Our personalities are limitations. Uh, some folks have just an enormous kind of relational bandwidth that they can engage with others. Some of us have a smaller bandwidth for relational engagement. Uh, Some of us are born with a really high EQ, emotional intelligence, the ability to read a room and recognize what people are feeling and thinking, and others of us don't have that the same way. Our personalities limit us. Our family origins limit us. Some folks were born into a very loving, nurturing, caring household with two parents that set appropriate boundaries and limitations for them while also encouraging them to step out and try new things and learn new things. But there's others of us that had parents who were abusive or maybe left a sense of shame in our lives. Some were born into a family where they didn't even have both a mother and a father in the house. Some were born into families that didn't have either. Our family of origin, whether we like to admit it or not, absolutely plays a role in our potential. It's a limitation. Our socioeconomic origins also limit our potential. Uh, John Mark Comer uh, in his book said this, America is built around the myth of a classless society. It's a myth that we like to believe, like it's the American dream. And there's a lot of truth in it, but it's more a myth than a reality. A myth that conceals a deep well of injustice. The truth is, he says, even in our land of opportunity, some people just have more opportunity than others. 
One of the great tragedies of America is that privilege is all too often, if not usually, connected to the color of your skin. If you're like me, white, male, middle class, which I am, you realize after a while that you started the game from third base while some of your friends started in the parking lot. But look at what he says. But no matter how high up the Western social hierarchy you started, there's always somebody above you, always. There's always somebody above you, always. No matter where you started on the socioeconomic origin, there's somebody ahead of us. It's limiting. There's so many other things that we could talk about. The gifts that God has given you, the things that you're good at. We were talking about uh, karaoke. I said that I would pick uh, I Will Always Love You by Mariah Carey. Uh, because, or Sorry, by Whitney Houston. How dare I? Sorry, Whitney. I know some of you were like, oh. You know why I will pick that song? Because nobody can sing it, okay? Dolly and uh, Whitney, that's it. Nobody else should even be allowed to. And when you do karaoke, if you have a voice like mine, you know you're going to slaughter it. So you might as well pick the one nobody expects anybody to be able to sing anyway. Look, we've all got different limits in our giftings, the things that we're good at, right? In our experiences, in our education, in our career, in our season of life. Man, you want to talk about limitations? There was a season of my life where I had four kids under the age of six. Limited, I'm just telling you, in a whole host of different ways. All right? The calling that God's placed on your life that limits you. Uh, author Peter Cesaro, uh, well-known author, pastor, he says this, and I love it. We find God's will for our lives in our limitations. We find God's will for our lives in our limitations. Friends, we're image and dust. We are both potential and limitation. The answer to how to live life well is not simply in getting more time. I wish that that were true. We could just get a little bit more time, right? That extra 10 hours a week, like that that would be the difference maker, but it's not. Uh, the truth is we already have lots of time already. Um, somebody had done a study and found that the average guy spends about 10,000 hours playing video games by the time they turn 21. <laughs> somebody like, that's not me. Don't start doing the math then. That's all I'm saying. 10,000 hours. Do you know, have you ever heard the 10,000 hour uh, principle? Basically, it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert in anything. Okay? You could literally become an expert in ornithology by the time you're 21 if you didn't get to, like, you know, five Battlestar level in Fortnite. Okay? If you didn't, like, beat whatever Mario Party Castle Queen, you could actually get to be an expert in ornithology. It's a terrible illustration, I know. I don't know why I chose ornithology. It doesn't make any sense. But you could also master Rachmaninoff's concerto number two. Or a whole host of other things. The issue is not time. We probably got time. The issue is how we're spending our time. In fact, the Bible actually kind of talks about that in Ephesians. You don't even have to flip over there. It's going to be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 Paul says, uh, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. That word opportunity is the word kairos, which means time. Make the most of your time. We have enough time. We just don't always spend it the way that we wish, right? So every day is a new 
opportunity to spend the time that we've been given. So there's a question that I think is really, really important for all of us to ask. And it's not a question that I'm simply saying, oh, you guys need to figure this out. This is a question for me. How do we slow down and live deliberately right in the middle of the chaos of the noisy, fast-paced, urban, digital world that we call home? And that's the million-dollar question, right? You're not going to get more time. So what do we do with the time that we've been given? How do we slow down in the middle of all of the craziness that's going on? The answer in church, of course, is Jesus. Yes, so many of you said that. That's amazing. (laughs) It's the cheesy answer, but it's 100% the correct answer. If you want to experience that life, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, Jesus was a rabbi, just means teacher, okay? And in the ancient Near East, uh, rabbis or teachers, they had what's called a yoke, all right? Uh, A yoke is kind of a farm instrument, farm implement, all right? Uh, You put a yoke on cattle. So it's usually like a piece of wood that's kind of like carved with some curves in it and it goes over their shoulders and it's a way to kind of link two oxen together so that they can together learn to plow uh, the field. And often what they would do is they would link up an older experienced oxen with a new oxen that they were um, then going to use to teach. So they both had to work together. And so the older oxen would kind of teach the younger one. But by linking them together, they were able to actually do more together than they either one of them could do individually. And so when rabbis or teachers would talk about their yoke, what they're talking about is kind of a way of seeing the world, a way that they would interpret how we're supposed to apply and kind of live out Scripture, okay? So it's kind of understanding, living Scripture. And it was more than that, though. It was really kind of a way to hold the heavy weight of life. How are we supposed to hold all the weight of, like, the difficulties that come with marriage and jobs, uh, the struggles that we all have with sex and kids and government and prayer and conflict resolution and all of the things of life, the things that we all have to hold. Uh, Jesus wasn't unique in the fact that as a rabbi, he had a yoke. Jesus was unique in that his yoke, he said, was easy. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to flip over to our last passage this morning, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you're not 100% sure where that's at, it's about eh, that far back in the Bible. You can always go to the front, table of contents. You can look it up, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is doing a teaching here, and he kind of gets to the end of this teaching, and he begins to give an invitation. What I'd like for you to do right now, I'm going to have you uh, read it yourself in a minute, but right now, I'd just like you to close your eyes and allow me to read it over you. Just kind of let it sink into your heart, wash over your mind, and just listen. Jesus says to you and to me, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to open your eyes and I just want you to read through it to yourself off the screen silently but slowly. I'm going to put the message paraphrase of this, of these couple of verses up on the screen. And I'm going to read it. And I want you to just read it along with me in your minds. I'm purposefully having us sit in this invitation to hear it and see it and then hear it again afresh because of how important I believe this is to our lives. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Last week, uh, we talked about a book called The Burnout Society. Jesus' invitation is to all of us who live in that burnout society to step back, step away, untie ourselves from that yoke and instead link up with him, take on his yoke, because his yoke is easy. His yoke is light. Can we call out the elephant in the room, though? <laughs> Do you ever feel like an invitation like that just kind of feels a little bit like not fun? hard, like the last thing that you really need right now? You're like, really? That's like, that's what I need to do? I know it's what I need to do, but like everything Jesus said and commanded me, like I got to get more generous. I got to join another Bible study. I got to memorize more scripture. I, I, I need to get into community. I need to serve more people. Like I'm already stressed out. I already feel like I can't do everything I'm supposed to do. I can't meet the demands of life. And now it's just these more things that I got to kind of add into it. And it just feels kind of overwhelming. Terrifying, to be honest, if we're really going to be real with it. Because we're already running at a pace that none of us feel like we can actually sustain. And now we're just supposed to do more, add more. Dallas Willard, who's like a Jesus guru, also a theology guru and a philosophy guru and just a straight-up life guru, 
He said this about Matthew 11, and it's so important that we catch it. The secret, he says, involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life. Adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently, and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does, something will work. And he says, that's a strategy bound to fail. You see, friends, Jesus doesn't invite you to do new things along with all the other stuff that you're doing. He's inviting you into a completely new lifestyle. Have you ever heard the definition of insanity? (laughs) Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Look, friends, if you're cooking a steaming hot stew of manure, you can't just add a little bit of salt and cumin to it and think you're going to make a great meal. Some of you are like, I'm very offended. He just called my life a steaming pot of manure. (laughs) No, I'm just describing to you what mine feels like sometimes. You, You can't simply tag on a little bit of Jesus to a life that's yoked to a worldly system that tells you what you need to be fulfilled and happy and successful and think that just by adding a little bit of Jesus onto it that it's going to make everything okay. It won't. The only way you're going to experience the life that Jesus desires for us, the only way I'm going to experience it, is to unyoke myself from this lifestyle that says I've got to do X, Y, and Z and read this and do that and see that and get away from that and come over to Jesus' yoke and link up with him. Um, New Testament theologian Frederick Dale Bruner says this. He says, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Jesus understands, and hear this, Jesus understands that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering false escape, like social media and a thousand other things in our lives, Jesus offers something far better. Equipment. Jesus offers us a way out of this life by inviting us to take off that yoke, that thing that we are tied to, that will always have more expectations on you than you'll ever be able to live up to, that is running you ragged, making you feel burned out, disconnected. Your heart is aching for emotional health and relational health and spiritual health, and you'll never, ever find it here. I know Because I've seen how many years I've tried that. And I'm still kind of tied here. I'm slowly learning. I used the matrix last week, all right? I like the matrix because of the metaphor of being like connected into a system. That was like one thing. Unplug it, you're out of the system. This, honestly, the life we live in, I feel like it's like a thousand little things that are connected to us. And we don't even always realize it. I'm continually finding new ways I find myself tied. And I'm slowly untying myself and saying, Jesus, This is what I want. 
But it's not just adding a little bit of Jesus into what's already there. It's a wholesale lifestyle change. This is why we have to come up to him. Sorry, come to him. Link up with him. Link up with his lifestyle. Um, I want to say this, though. Jesus' pace is a slow pace. It does not match up super easily to the culture that you and I find ourselves living in. But Jesus' pace is marked with love and joy and peace. And so the way you'll know pretty quickly if you're yoked up with Jesus or not is the amount of love, joy, and peace that's in your life. Um, I just want to take a minute right now, and I'm just going to ask everybody to just close your eyes. Uh, there's no way to have a conversation about this without talking about the invitation Jesus gives. And so, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how you wound up here this morning. I don't know what God may be speaking into your heart, into your mind. But if you've never given yourself, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then there's an invitation for you today. And so if you've never asked Jesus to come in, believed in his death and resurrection, asked him to take away your sin, forgive you, and just allow him to become the, the leader of your life, then maybe today is the day you need to start there. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and if that's you, you can just kind of pray along with me in your mind. Just talk to God the way that I, you're talking to anybody else. But I'll, I'll pray, and you can kind of pray along with me. And if that's something that you want, just pray this. Dear God, I need you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe, Father, that you raised him back to life just as he promised. Jesus, today I invite you to come and take over my life. God, forgive me for ways that I have messed up in the past. Jesus, I want you. And today, I accept the invitation to get yoked up, connected with your life. If you prayed that prayer, with everybody with your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to, to just acknowledge it so that I can pray for you and celebrate with you. If that was you today, just raise your hand real, not too high, I'll see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on. Amen. You entered into a relationship with God, into a new family, to a new way of living, and God's going to meet you in some beautiful ways there. Excited for you. Would love to connect with you after the service if you'd be willing. But just know that I'll be praying for you. There's a number of you that are here in this room, and you've been following Jesus for a long time. But today, you just feel stressed out, worn out, anxious. You don't have that sense of love and joy and peace, not like you wish. And there's an invitation to you as well. Maybe today is the day you just need to tell God, God, I, I want to link up with you. If that's you today, I just want you to just raise your hand real 
real small. I'll see that. I just want to pray with you, for you, over you. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anybody else just say, I'm just worn out. Just want this new life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Father God, you know the hearts of these folks that are here right now. Jesus, you know what you're speaking and saying to them. And God, there's, there's a number of us that are just feeling kind of overwhelmed and just like the pace of life is getting away. We're linked up, yoked up with the wrong thing, Jesus. And so today we're just, we're transferring ourselves, Jesus, into your yoke, which is easy and light because you carry it with us. So God, I just pray for each of these individuals today, those that gave their, their lives to you for the first time and those that are just saying today they need to re, reconnect to your lifestyle, your pace, the things that matter to you. And Jesus, I want that too. So do what you need to do. Continue to speak to us, Father, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.